0: Emily Dickinson was born on December 10th, 1830. Haley Steinfeld, who plays her in Dickinson, the Apple TV Plus series, was born on December 11th, 1996. And interestingly enough, Toby Huss, who you should recognize as Boz from H- halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, I did. Yeah. People like his character. How'd you like it?
1: Yeah, he was funny. He was like one of the more grounded characters out of the whole show.
0: He's portraying her father, Edward, right? Yeah. And he was born December 9th, 1966. So we have December 9th, December 10th, and December 11th. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I. It's weird that you say because Haley Steinfeld must be like 24, 25. She's exactly twenty four, yeah. And she's supposed to be playing someone that's twenty nine. In fact, one of my questions for the show for the longest time was when does this take place? Because this is a 1850s lot. 1850s to 1860s. It's 1859. They say that later in the episode. Well, at the
0: begin- the first season was 18 like 53 to 1858. Mm-hmm. And when you actually pay attention to the years, some people die in different years than they actually did. This is a very loose adaptation of her life.
1: I was going to say this is a a lot like that how i met your mother episode where barney stinson talks about the bro code and then they do a flashback to where like thomas jefferson and i believe a couple other people are and they use vernacular like bro and dude and all that stuff that's like if that flashback was a tv show this would be that tv show
0: yeah, a couple things with that. Number one is you brought up Neil Patrick Harris's Barney. Well, the last two shows I've seen
1: have been comedy shows. And whenever I think about those, I think about long running TV shows like How I Met Your Mother and
0: The Big Bang Theory, because those are both comedies as well. And they came out recently, like within the last 20 yeah. years. And so that's another point about this TV show. Not only is it a loose adaptation, but it takes like contemporary history and blends it with modern times.
1: It's a lot like Another Period. Is that what
0: that show was? In, yeah. In Drunk History a little bit. I have seen it compared to Drunk History. Do you think it's too, too much relying on the comedy element? No, in fact, I think that the comedy element is its strongest and they should have done it more, I think. More so in the first three episodes. I have heard also that it's darker in this season than probably the first. But before we talk about the first season or what you thought of the episode, let's talk about the tone of the episode, particularly the music choices. Did they have any? pop songs
1: yeah that was it was filled with this i don't think there was one song that wasn't a pop song and it was usually you give me some examples uh there wasn't anything identifiable but it was usually always female led in fact one of the funniest jokes was it like they, taylor swift songs no I, I think it was just from across the board just any pop song they could get it was always kind of like those glamour pop songs that like you hear whenever you like see a reality show or something like that um also one of the funniest jokes that they had was when sam Bowles. i think he works for he was introduced this season and i think he works for the newspaper company mm-hmm. which we'll get into whenever you saw him appear in the episode even the second and third one they had like a loud pop song come on like he was supposed to be this big love interest even like a dreamy, he married. like a dreamy guy yeah okay
0: and you recognized who he was right no i didn't
1: he was iron fist Oh, I had no idea. That's that's strange because he looks different. He has a beard and a mustache, and mm-hmm. uh, but there were a couple people on the show that I recognized. Obviously, he also
0: is he played Loras in Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. Okay, so yeah, you know. Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, and then uh, obviously you had uh, Haley Steinfeld. Mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld,
0: Finn Jones. Uh, did you see Wiz Khalifa in this episode? No. Wiz Khalifa. He's, he's in the show. He plays death. He he, he plays in death. Yeah, in the pilot, she writes a poem about death. And then the overarching theme of the first season is kind of her relationship with uh, the afterlife and what she wants to get done and her her seeking fame. Well, this season strikes a different pose. It's looking at this guy named Mr. Nobody. I don't think we were. Well,
1: he might have been the ghost that she sees. It still deals with death somewhat in the first three episodes. The first three episodes
0: that you watched of this season were called Before I Got My Eye Put Out. Uh, fame is a Fickle Food, mm-hmm. and The Only Ghost I Ever Saw. All three of those, I believe, are actually actual quotes from Eveline Dickinson's yeah,
1: poems. They do this weird thing in the show where whenever she's, like, writing a poem or she even says, like, dialogue that is going to be in a poem, they have the words appear on screen. you like that? Yeah, it was cool. It was a cool effect to use, and I liked how they kept using it.
0: Yeah, the creator of the series, Alina Smith, who's also writing for the show... Um, she started in the newsroom, The Affair. Yeah, they have a lot of people
1: like Jane Krakowski also. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's in it from 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. So uh, bring up she Cina plays the, again. She <laughs> plays
0: the mom's character. And yeah. people have mixed uh, feelings about her representation of um, Dickinson's I, mom. She's also named Emily.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I would say if you're looking for, like, actual representations of the people, you're
0: probably well, not going to get it. Well, it's funny because Krakowski actually did some research to try to fit the role, and she plays off sort of a resentful relationship between her and her daughter. That actually doesn't have a lot of basis in fact, though. We know that Emily Dickinson... Wasn't a big fan of her mom. She even wrote at one point that she didn't have a mom. Oh, she found her mom kind of tepid, stupid, n- nothing so really was to write con- about. <laughs> it was
1: a contentious relationship.
0: Then it sounds more like the mom's character was just happy to be who she like, just a housewife, mm-hmm. and less resentful towards her daughter. But if you want to read into it and adapt it, the reason I brought up Alina Smith is because she is not afraid to go out of bounds. Right now, I think they started. <laughs> yeah they started the episodes that you watch by telling you that the, poetry is what they're basing these uh, episodes on, not actual source material, because there's not a lot of primary sources or secondary sources that talk about her life at this time.
1: And that makes sense. The first three episodes, the overarching story is that she's trying to get her poems published in uh, this newspaper.
0: Well, is she? Because I thought that there was some like uh, trepidation occurring, that she didn't want the notoriety as much as she used to.
1: In episode two, you see that, but in episode three, I, she ends it by wanting to put her thing in the paper, because she keeps on being envisioned by, she Visions this ghost, and this ghost is like someone she doesn't know.
0: They never say Mister Nobody because that is supposed to be said a lot.
1: He's referred to as Nobody, but not Mister Nobody,
0: and he represents her like doubt or her like Tito the mosquito from Big Mouth.
1: Right, exactly. He is his ultimate goal is to get her poems not published
0: in the paper and scare her into it. Do you scare her into like running back to her to not publishing her poems and just being reclusive and such? Basically, yeah. She doesn't actually publish too many pieces of her work throughout her life. Um, So that might be where they're heading with that. Uh, The other relationship we didn't talk about was between her and her father. Now, that is kind of also complicated, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, because... In, In real life, her father was kind of of two minds. He was like, I think from a quote, my father buys me books and begs me not to read them. So in a way, he wants to instill in her some support, but at the same time, he's also very traditional. Um, he's the type that when you take a picture of him and he's grimacing and they're like, can you smile, Mr. Dickinson? And he's like, I am smiling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's very close to
1: his character. He also did remind me of his character from um, Hold and Catch Fire. And Toby, Toby Huss? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters that
0: we haven't mentioned, though, is Austin. That's- well, I wanted to, before we start jumping around... We'll get back to Mr. Nobody, because I feel like the two storylines that people were talking about the most online were, one, the abolitionist paper that she was going to possibly write for, which is called the Star... Starlight Republican. Starlight Republican, and that's the one owned by Finn Jones or Sam Bowles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam Bowles is a weird name. like. To have... Yeah, and his uh, wife's name is Mary Bowles. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, but then I also wanted to... Wait, which character did you want to talk about? Austin, her brother. Austin, her her brother. brother. He's kind of a tool, right? Yeah, I mean, they actually had a good relationship, um, but he is married to someone. He's married to Sue, and Sue Sue. and um, Emily obviously have a very personal but also sexual relationship. Yeah, it was weird seeing that in the first episode because they got really close to each other,
1: and I was like, is there supposed to be
0: Well, like, there's tension there? because she, at the very end of last season, gets married to her brother Austin, and Austin basically makes Emily miss the funeral. Or, sorry, not the funeral, the marriage. Yeah. And uh, in the first episode of the first season, we see Sue and Emily making out, and they're obviously best of friends. But in, in the writings of Emily Dickinson and what we've learned since her death is it basically concluded that she was in love with sue her best friend so that part is true and they've even made movies besides this storyline that have like one in 2018 called wild nights with emily which was a dramatization Mm -hmm. of her life with sue so where there are some elements of the show that like create scenarios that never happened sue fundamentally just being the love interest of emily dickinson is almost factual
1: but with Austin and her relationship it seems very tension filled. For example, Austin wants to have a baby with well, Susan. What did
0: you think of Sue's character this this season?
1: I thought that she was a cool character. Like she was nicer. Yeah, I, a lot of
0: people said she's her personality has shifted and she's less kind than she was. It was, was in the it was a season. mixed bag for me
1: because again, she's she's very kind to Emily mm-hmm. but not to Austin and Austin was one of my favorite characters in the show, so Really? I, okay. Yeah uh him and uh mr shipley i didn't get his first name because they only call him that he, Did you like shipley? I, he was my favorite character a lot
0: of people don't like Shipley. really they he, think
1: he's really smug he also kind of
0: replaces oh. a character from last season where i think they preferred that character but yeah, Oh well maybe
1: if he's replacing a character but the thing is is that he's supposed to be smug that's the whole thing about him he's the one who uses bro the most mm-hmm. his uh he's scenes... representative
0: of a frat guy yeah in very much a so. time period of the past like he's not supposed to be full out 80s type villain bully type oh yeah no not villain but he
1: is definitely a frat person his scenes is he one dimensional yeah, I would say so. Okay. He, he he's a one joke character, but the joke is really funny. And also, his scenes with Austin were probably the best just out of all the episodes. They were very short. They didn't have a lot of them with him, but those two characters being my favorite, they played off well, each other pretty worked well. Worked well with each other. Yeah.
0: NPR did an interesting interview. They had one person who really liked the show, and she gave a lot of reasons about what we talked about. Where they've just we woven in a lot of pop culture, and they make it a lot of fun. Uh, it's an entertaining TV show. While the other person really, really didn't like it. And I, I like their reasons why. Because I think that if you look for the show to be a re- accurate representation of depth in the poetry that Emily Dickinson put out, then you're probably not going to like the show. If you're looking at it just for entertainment's sake, you're probably going to really like it. Well, here's a situation. I would well, say... I wanted to just explain his facts. So he said that they reduced her poetry, basically taking what poetry is, existential, imaginative, dark, filled with ambiguity and subjective opinion, and made it literal. Like, when they mention death, they cast death. When, it, when that kind of takes away the depth from the words, and you take the value away from it as well, because you're no longer reading an art piece, you're viewing a spectacle, kind of just there to... It, it, obviously, there are good messages behind this, between empowerment and um, progressive issues yeah. that are being pushed forward, great. But when you actually look at Emily Dickinson's poetry, if that's what you're the fan of, watching the show is kind of just about her.
1: I'd say the target audience for this is probably the tween keen audience. Because really? Because even though it uh, had some like iffy jokes, it definitely felt like Disney Channel humor crossed between Disney Channel and The CW in terms of its drama and its story
0: as a whole. It's been called a well-rendered 1850s comedy, so I don't know, There's there seems to be a very strong fan base. And if you look at the reviews, we have a 7.3 on IMDb, which isn't that great, but if you look at the episodes, there's none that have gotten lower than an 8. And if you look at the Rotten Tomato score, it's even better. You have an 87% critically. And you have over 90% audience score. So it's already been renewed for season three. And for season three, we're dealing with years post, what, like this 1861. And we're getting into Civil War territory at that point. So it's going to be all about the Civil War, probably. And during the uh, COVID uh, crisis that we've had and the delays, Alina has been using that to change her scripts around a little bit. Oh, okay. So and also, like, yeah, they were almost done with the season. They literally had just, like, a month work of edits to do. So they were able to do those in like i don't know april
1: if you had told me that they shot this during covid i would have believed you because and that's not that, to do. that's not like a dig against the show i'm just saying it kind of had that feeling one of the funniest jokes i think was when um there there's a cake contest in episode two mm-hmm. and they and they revealed that emily won the contest and you could see that she worked really hard on the cake and they presented with emily a blue, dickinson yeah okay and they presented with a blue ribbon and then she takes the blue ribbon and it's like yeah
0: bitch and then like puts it on and just, she's really happy it's funny because there's a lot of metaphors that go through this show. Even if they didn't happen in real life, they kind of are supposed to lead her to what actually happened in her life. If that, Like the crown. Remember, as history went on and they got closer and closer to modern day, they had to increase the authenticity of what they were depicting. Right, yeah. But at the beginning, they could kind of wing it a little bit if they got to where the characters needed to get to right, eventually. Exactly, yeah. And so that's what they're doing here. So I'm wondering how a cake competition... Helps her grow as a character and gets her to where she needs to be. Because a lot of people think of when they think of, and maybe it's unfair, they think of poetry, they think of uh, Emily Dickinson, and they kind of connect her with like a Sylvia Plath type being like clinically depressed, reclusive, um, never really understood, Van Goghish. Um, And she was surrounded by death because it was the 1860s and her in the first season We can see that she did write about death and concentrated on it a lot But she doesn't get represented purely as like a depressed character, which is nice Well, when she's making the cake you can obviously see
1: that she's very like she knows every single ingredient that she put in I think that they're trying to show that she wants to be in control of Situations as much as she can because literally she's like forcing cake into their family's mouths Like (laughs) trying to figure out what exactly could be better And even when they're like, it's the best cake I've ever had, she's like, are you telling the truth? And I think they're supposed to show that she's a little paranoid, but wanting to be very controlling, but not in a bad way.
0: Not in a bad way. The first season was all about her getting like suitors and and her trying to basically tell people like, I want to do my own thing and getting the respect that she deserved because of her talents um, and not wanting to fall into the same pattern as many women who were stuck in that time period. And that,
1: yeah, that's still focus, That's still kind of the focus this season. They, they had some other weird storylines. Like, for example, I, I mentioned Mr. Shipley before. He's supposed to be a boarder for the house, which is a stranger that lives there. And then the dad even brings in two really terrible, like, teens, and they're supposed to be really mean, and they're supposed to be living in the house as yeah, well. Yeah, someone
0: asked about what the point of the teens was.
1: Yeah I, I wasn't sure they provide a lot of dark humor like they keep flicking people off it was done in like supposed to be a funny way but I didn't see why they needed to be there they didn't really add much like to are the story. they just sarcastic yes well they don't say a lot and they're just supposed to be like just the moody. worst not just moody they're supposed to be like really really bad characters that you're not supposed to like at all
0: what storyline are you most interested in seeing continue
1: Mr. Shipley's, because his storyline <laughs> is that he's supposed to be marrying Leva Dickinson. I believe that's her name. And that's uh, Emily Dickinson's sister. and Lavinia? Lavinia, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Oh, was- yeah,
0: that's played by Anna Baryshnikov, who is actually the daughter of the famous dancer. Oh, okay yeah. okay, yeah. but She's that- from Manchester by the Sea. I didn't recognize
1: her there. But uh, that storyline was funny because he's kind of like this really sexist character, but he's also really dumb
0: he's so. yeah well she's also comic relief and she served as comic relief in the first season as well
1: there was a lot of comic relief characters what'd you think
0: of hattie's character
1: we didn't see a lot from her we only ever saw her in the third episode when she uh, was part of the seance that they performed
0: yeah the seance thing sounds weird to me because like it-, it was
1: when the show broke reality because everything for the most part seemed real except the vernacular in the show but when they performed the, and seance, the music and yeah but when they perform the seance everything starts like levitating and floating and that's when like actual sci-fi things started happening but not
0: just to the main character but everyone yeah
1: everyone everyone witnessed the levitation but she was the only one to still see mr nobody
0: that is quite strange because in the first episode i said that she goes outside to a carriage and sees death and mm-hmm. it's like literal on the nose what her poem poetry is about so you get that it's sort of in her mind but if you're saying that witchcraft happened in yeah the 1860s, no, it did.
1: and again that's the part also i get that it's supposed to be complete satire but you have already performed your bounds of reality by that point
0: so like you've specified what's true and what's not enough where if something like this happens it kind of changes the show's dynamic or right. it kind of has
1: usually when you release your first three episodes for example, the boys on Amazon Prime, they released their first three episodes that ended with a cliffhanger, and it was supposed to be what's going to happen next. Ted Lasso did the same thing, and it's supposed to really incite the audience to wonder what's going to happen to the characters. It's supposed to give them a, basically the plot of the season, but
0: these first three like episodes... It's the right? Yeah.
1: the thesis. Right. These first three episodes didn't do that. It, I don't really understand except for Mr. Nobody going You don't Nobody feel like it was away. a
0: tone that was straight? I mean, like a theme that was straight by the end?
1: Yeah, I mean, the show does one-off episodes like they're not supposed to be like huge story arcs. Could they arcs. be
0: watched out of order?
1: Uh yeah, you probably could. <laughs> but like again, you weren't really given any type of thesis for this season. It just kind of felt like, "Oh, this is another episode that they just kind of ended with."
0: So you weren't really impressed with the kind of climax of the Right, th-
1: there wasn't anything to really entice me to watch the next episode
0: or wait for it to come out. Uh and there's supposed to be how many episodes this season? 10. 10. Yeah, just like the first season. And the reason I brought up Io Edibiri or Hattie earlier is because there's a lot of big mouth connections, which I was very surprised about. And apparently in last season, you had one of the favorite characters who showed up, Henry David Thoreau. Um, he was represented as a poser poet, even though like, was he actually, you like know, a like person? people think of Thoreau as like a famous poet. But a lot of historians have said, well, he's actually kind of lame. Um, And so John Mulaney represented him. And there's no real evidence that says that she ever met him. But in the show, she did. How many episodes was he Oh, I think just the one. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you had Jason Manzoukas playing a bee. Kind of like how Wiz Khalifa played. played A bee? Yeah, he played a bee. I don't know if it was a talking bee or an imaginary. Like, it's obviously (laughs) an imaginary bee because it had a voice. But then this season, we have Nick Kroll Coming I was going to ask for Nick Proes in the show. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to play Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, so and then you have uh, obviously Ayo Edibiri who plays who replaced um Jenny Slate as Missy And so it's kind of interesting because in Big Mouth, she did the same thing. She started as a writer, and then she became a cast member. Same thing with this show. She started as a writer. She even wrote some of the episodes this season and then became a character. Well, it makes me wonder what type of uh, actors were in this show
1: and then went on to Big Mouth. Like Jane Krakowski probably did. I imagine Toby Huss is uh, his name. Yeah,
0: I'm just trying to think I know that Haley Steinfeld's done some comedy before. I mean, she was in Pitch Perfect, right? Yeah, she, she started in 17. Yeah. it was hilarious, um, and then the other connection is this show to say Mr. Robot or Homecoming or True Detective, Defending Jacob, Thirteen Reasons Why. Yeah, a lot of people. No, it's not the people. It's anonymous content. Oh, okay. That's the yeah. people who produce, produce this, the shows. Yeah, The show, yeah. And it's just kind of an interesting connection. Like, why would anonymous content... Well, 13 Reasons Why also felt a little weird in that group of... Like, Homecoming right, and Mr. Robot yet. are very cerebral. This, I feel like, should be cerebral because it's doing what It's poetry? trying to be, yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, but it feels like it's more comedy. Yeah, no, it,
1: it, I. it's definitely just supposed to be mainly a comedy, I felt like.
0: All right, and then uh, the other thing is Christopher Storer... Did the first episode? He was the uh, director and producer of the first episode. But he's also worked on a ton of Bo Burnham stuff. Like he did the Bo Burnham comedy specials, and he also produced Eighth Grade. What what part? Like what, he was he was a producer mm-hmm. or like a an director editor? of those? I know that Bo Burnham directed Eighth Grade as well as wrote it. Right. But he produced both of those, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was, it's just interesting the connections that you see between all. And if Bo Burnham shows up in the next few episodes, you'll know why. Actually, I think he might. <laughs> (laughs) fit in with this type of element probably yeah yeah so that's just a a unique idea if you're listening to lena (laughs) i wanted
1: to bring up some of the lines in the show most of them were from mr shipley uh for example they're talking about a painting and he goes that sheet painting is boss which of course was a term that came out in 2009 so
0: (laughs) i didn't know it came out specifically in 2009 well it was
1: the snl skit that they kept on doing um but then uh when austin comes up to him again he goes i hope to see you around man and he goes oh you will i'm living with your parents and i'm engaged with your sister mm-hmm. and so it was supposed to just be he was incredibly blunt i think so that's something like, i liked about it him
0: definitely most. is a lot of extravagant anachronistic type humor where right. you're bringing in Past he was, was
1: kind of like jeff in the sense where no matter what jeff in 13 reasons why was always played for comedy really except for the part where he died he, that's the only drama So he's he had. a good dude right like
0: in the end he's there as a right. support so
1: mechanism complete complete comedy so i feel like when the show gets too dark or dark like you were saying it does this season they're probably going to go to him a lot for comedy
0: and I'm not sure if I asked yet, but which of the three episodes was your favorite?
1: Uh, the first one.
0: The first one. It so felt introduction. The yeah.
1: first one felt the most just like I could watch this and be mildly entertained. Uh, if the second episode, I'd kind of kept. The first on one ch- was
0: a party episode, right?
1: Yeah. The second one was a cake, cake episode. episode. Third, and the one, third was one was the seance episode. Seance episode, yeah. Okay. And, and they're
0: all pretty short.
1: Yeah, they're around 30 minutes each. Okay, I, I, I was happy about that because I thought when you assigned it, it was going to be at least 40 minutes. So. Did you feel like you were going to be walking into more of a drama or documentary type show? I thought I didn't think it was going to be a documentary. I thought it was going to be a drama. When I saw it was a comedy, I was pleasantly
0: surprised. Did you compare uh, the main character Haley Steinfeld to Queens Gambit lady? No, I didn't. No, Anna Taylor Joy. Yeah, yeah, because we've talked about how they are very similar in their acting, and and, uh, and they've taken similar roles in the past.
1: Yeah, but I think that they were definitely, they, they were different characters, like enough where I don't see a connection between the two. Mm-hmm.
0: Remember how I said earlier that the birthdays were all very close, the Sagittarius's were all together? Yeah, wasn't it 9th, 10th, and 11th? That's yeah, you mean? had Emily Dickinson, you had Haley Steinfeld, and then you had Toby Huss, but it is particularly cool that the person playing her later on is like so close. Yeah, It would have been cooler if it was on the same, the birthday, yeah. but... She actually shares the same birthday as Anna Taylor-Joy. Really? No, but they are the same age. And uh, Haley Steinfeld is going to be in season two of Queen's Gambit. It's confirmed. There's not going to be a second season of Queen's Gambit. (laughs) Oh, well, then I guess it's not confirmed. All right, well, that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Bye.